This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Steve Vickers in Christian Life Church in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com. I want to start a series today. We're going to go over the next four weeks on a series called Surviving the Storm. All of us, most of us, really like stories where we see, uh, you know, people, someone survives, they make it, they win against insurmountable odds. When it looks hopeless and helpless, when there looks like there's absolutely no way that they're going to come through this, that they win. Amen. And we like that. You know why? Because it gives us hope. We think, well, if they can win in that, I can win. And what I'm going through, it gives us hope that when we face all kinds of uh, impossible situations, when we face something that really seems greater and bigger than we are and, and looks like we don't know what we can do, we, when we see people that have won in those situations, when we see people that survive the storms of life, that a storm hits them and yet they come through, it, we love it. You know, you, these pictures we see of, uh, you know, people where the tornado has come through. I remember a few years ago in Alabama, the up in North Alabama, this tornadoes came through and it uh, ravaged, you know, so many. And I think there was several, a couple of hundred people that were killed. Uh, yet you would see the people standing there amidst all the rubble uh, uh, where the damage of what the storm had done to their homes, their lives, their communities. And yet you hear them over and again say, but we will rebuild. We will rebuild. We will rise up because that's who we are. That's who this community is. We're going to rise up and rebuild. There is something inside of all of us that no matter what comes against us, we want to survive. We know we're not supposed to cave in and give in and lose in the battles of life. So won't, won't us over the next few weeks, to look at this thing, surviving the storm. I want to uh, put some, uh, teach you on how you can survive the storm, but after the storm, you can thrive. So I want to give you four key principles. Four key principles to surviving the storms of life, no matter what your storm may be. A loved one that dies, uh, a, a sickness that hits your you, uh, a financial uh, problem that is not just, you know, you, you uh, had a bill that was a little late, but I mean where you lose your job and you're facing bankruptcy or, or loss of something, or, or maybe you lose uh, uh, something uh, that is very significant. Whatever it is, whatever the storm is that you are facing, I want to help you to understand how that you can survive and you're supposed to survive. You're supposed to not only survive, but after the storm has passed, you should thrive and do better than you did before the storm. How many of you uh, have ever gone through a storm in your life? Well, you know what? There's a saying, what doesn't kill you, kill you, makes you stronger. And I'm going to tell you what, that is so true. And if we learn how, if we know how to face the storms of life, we will survive. And they're not as threatening either uh, when we know how to survive. I want to give you, uh, as it were, maybe you could call it a storm survival kit. It's going to be four keys. And I'm going to talk about 
uh, each one of the keys uh, over each Sunday, the next four Sundays today and the next three, we're going to talk about one key a week. And at the end of this series, you're going to have an understanding not only of how to survive the storm, the storm of your life, but how after it's over, you will thrive and be better than you were before the storm ever came. Now, I want to set the stage. We're going to look at a scripture here, and it's uh, taken from the life of Paul, uh, the apostle, who wrote most of the New Testament. Uh, we're going to take an, uh, an example from his life or a, a, a situation where he faced a storm. And <clears throat> I want to set the stage for it. So uh, Paul has uh, been preaching, and uh, the Jewish people, the Jewish religious leaders, not the people, the Jewish religious leaders, they hate Paul. They cannot stand him. You know, they, they killed Jesus. Uh, crucified him, the Jewish religious leaders, you know, stirred the people to crucify Jesus. And, and now here they've got Paul, and they've got others, but here's Paul, and he's out preaching, and, and he's stirring up uh, people to follow Jesus Christ. And, and so they get real angry, the religious leaders, and so they go to the uh, political leaders of the area there, and they say, we want him arrested, and they bring accusations against him. And so Paul now has to go before court, and he goes before Festus and Agrippa and all of that. And, and we pick it up in Acts chapter 27, where Paul has already been, uh, he's been before the court. He pleaded his case there while uh, from prison. He, they took him from the cell to appear before the judges, and he pleaded his case. And as he was pleading his case, he said, you're doing this to me, and I am a Roman citizen. And as a Roman citizen, I have the right to demand that my case is, will be seen before Rome. It'd be kind of like uh, here in the United States, we'd say, I want to appear before the Supreme Court. You know, uh, you've got a local magistrate or a, maybe a district uh, judge a court there that is... Uh, 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 seeing the case, and it looks like they're going to make you guilty. And so you say, I want to go before the Supreme Court so you can plead your case before a higher authority. And so Paul, he uh, pleads for that. And so they put him in a ship, they put him in a boat, and they send him out, and he goes for a while, and then they actually put him in a different boat. And so they're going along in the ship, uh, sailing along, and Paul tells them when they get in the boat, uh, he says, guys, now listen, I know something. We should not go right now. It was getting ready to be wintertime. It was the end of, uh, of fall, and the winter was, uh, was getting ready to start. And this is in the Mediterranean area, and I've been, I've, I've been all over that area, all over the Mediterranean Ocean, and most of the nations around there are countries, and a lot of the ports and islands and all that. So very familiar with all of that. And, and storms can come up real quick there. And because uh, <clears throat> it's a smaller uh, uh, ocean or uh, than the Atlantic or Pacific. So they come up real quick, can be clear, and then suddenly there's a storm. And he knew it was the time of year when storms would be coming a lot. And so he tries to plead with them, let's just stay in this port for winter. Let's make it through winter. Then when the weather gets better, you can take us on and, and uh, we'll go on. Well, you know, not many captains are willing to take advice from one of the prisoners on board. And so the captain and the owner talked it over, and they said, we can go and do this. So we're going to pick up right there when Paul has told them not to, but they decide they can. 
And it says, when a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. So they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete, a bend of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly, and a wind of typhoon strength called a nor'easter burst across the island and blew us out to sea. Now, we used to live up in the northeast, Denise and I, in New England area. And boy, those nor'easters could come through there, and they can be pretty powerful. Uh, the sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind. See, as a, when you're sailing and you're facing when the waves or a storm comes, you want to go into the waves. You don't want to parallel them because they can uh, turn the boat over. So they want to sail into the wind. They couldn't sail into the ship into the wind, so they gave up and they let the ship run before the gale. The wind was just blowing it forward. We sailed along the sheltered side of a small island named Cotta, where with great difficulty we hoisted aboard the lifeboat being towed behind us. Then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. They were afraid of being driven across to the, sand, the, to the sandbars of Sirtis off the African coast. So they lowered the sea anchor, they just let the anchor down, to slow the ship and were driven before the wind. The next day as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. Now, look at me for a second. See, when we face things, one of the things the enemy is going to try to get us to do is get this, uh, this victim attitude and this, like, hopeless feeling, and we just start abandoning everything. We start getting rid of things that we need. And here they were getting rid of physical things, but sometimes we throw things away like hope, faith, trust, peace, joy, a belief that things are going to be good. And we start throwing things away like that. And we throw away a right attitude and we start getting bitter. And so they started throwing all these things overboard. And <clears throat> the terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, men, you should have listened to me. Don't you like when somebody says, I told you so? But sometimes we need to listen to those that have told us so. Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss, but take courage. Now listen, anytime a godly person, anytime a good person, anytime God is involved in the advice someone gives you, even if it is corrective and saying, you shouldn't have done that, they're always, always, listen to me, God always is going to show you the way of escape. He's not going to leave you, make you feel like you're just there in a dead-end street, and you've blown it, and you've messed up, and because of you, things are going to get worse. That's the devil. The enemy is the accuser, the Bible says. And the enemy will say, look what you've done, look what a mess you've made, and he leaves it at that. Whereas God will say, look what you've done, you've made a mess, but now, here is your way of escape. Hear me, God always, you might want to jot this down, at least write it down in your memory bank. God always makes a way of escape for me. Would you say that with me? God always makes a way of escape for me. All right. And so Paul said, you shouldn't have done this, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve 
stood before me, beside me, and he said, Don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. That means they have to make it to Rome. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said. Now, I love that portion of Scripture because it's so encouraging. I mean, there starts out really dark and dismal. And, I, and having been in the Navy, I, uh, and, and then uh, Denise and I, I had, we've had several boats. And I love the water and sailing and all that. And, uh, uh, but uh, storms can come up when you're in the, especially when you're out in the ocean. It's one thing to be in a lake and, or, or in a pond in a little rowboat. And another thing to be out in the ocean uh, on a ship when a storm comes. And I've been there, and it can be very scary. I've been there where we had to be tied. We'd tie ourselves into our racks, our bunks, our little, with a little two-inch foam uh, on a piece of metal, and we'd tie ourselves in there because the ship was getting tossed about so much, and uh, it, you couldn't, uh, uh, we just had to, uh, only thing you could get up for is when you had to do your watch. Uh, so it can be very scary. But the thing about this that I really love is in this horrible situation, and they go through a lot, the rest of the story, they do go through a lot, but God brings them through and God gives them victory. And so it's encouraging because we can know that we can survive the storm. Surviving the storm. Now, the storms of life come to every one of us. Every one of us face the storms of life. No one is immune to a storm. If someone tells you that if you believe Jesus or if you buy this course or if you drive this car or if you date this girl that you'll never have problems. They just lied to you. Because let me tell you, it doesn't matter if you do everything right or everything wrong, you're both going to have problems. People that do everything right wind up with the same problems that people that do Everything wrong. But the outcome can be different. Whether we are Christian or non-Christian, rich or poor, doesn't matter our race, our color, or where we live, the storms of life come to every one of us. Now in the scripture we just read, the great apostle Paul, who was out doing God's will, preaching God's word, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, taking Jesus, the message of Jesus, to the world that had never heard of him, he goes through this storm along with his captors. Listen, you may be a Christian, but you're going to walk through the same things that the people around you, some of the same things that the people around you walk through. And God God doesn't cause them, but God has a purpose to show his kindness and goodness to you and through you to them. The important question is not will storms come, but what do we do when the storm does come? Because they will come. Now storms happen to us for different reasons. Storms happen to us because of decisions you and I make. We make a decision and it's a wrong decision. I've, I have friends that have perished in 
private airplanes in accidents. And the reasons for most of the time, there's been some that were, you know, that was catastrophic mechanical failure that they didn't have any control over. But there's been incidences where they made a wrong choice. They made a decision to do something in spite of what uh, wisdom would dictate, and it cost them their lives. They were destroyed because of it. But they were in heaven. So storms come because of decisions we make. We make a decision to get into a business investment. I mean, I've done this where I've invested in something and it looks like it's really good and, and maybe Denise would say, I just don't know about that. Say, trust me. I know what I'm doing. I'm the man. And all of a sudden, when we're trying to pay the bills of the failed thing, she says, I told you so. And so then we have to believe God. Well, we're facing a storm because of a decision I made. You know, a lot of the storms that happen in our lives are just choices we've made. And we need to own those, don't we? We need to go ahead and say, you know, I did wrong in this. I shouldn't have gone that direction. I shouldn't have made that choice. I shouldn't have made that decision. Has anybody here ever made a wrong decision? Wave your hand and make everybody feel real good. There you go. And you're still here, aren't you? Yes. Wrong decisions, we've all made them. We're not perfect in our decision making, but God always makes a way of escape. All right? So, but we need to own our decisions. When we make a wrong decision about something, and all of a sudden, because of that decision, you know, sometimes, usually, what they teach you in flying is it's never one mistake you make that's going to kill you. It's putting multiple ones together. And in most fly or aircraft accidents, you'll find it's at least three to seven. Usually a good pilot can handle three to five things that happen. Above that, nobody can handle it, you know, only God. Uh, but it's usually multiple things. But when you make a wrong decision, what should you do about that? You ought to own it and say, you know what? That decision I made was wrong. Now, what do I learn from it? Okay, you know, I've lost money in some investments. I've made money, but I've lost money. And you know what I have to do is learn from that where I lost. You know, and you can say, why didn't God protect me from that? Because if God always protected me, I'd never learn anything. Because you know what? I don't know about you, but my greatest lessons have come from not the things we, that worked good, but the things that didn't work. Because, boy, they marked me. Are you with me? That's right. That's right. Uh, so we need to own them. When we make a wrong decision, own it. And you need to learn from it. I write them down. You know, I'll look and I would suggest to you that you make, you know, you make a wrong decision and how to do your finances or even about your marriage. Hey, listen, guys. <laughs> uh, boy, you're going to be in a relationship. We got to learn a lot, guys. I'm telling you what, it, it's a learning experience. I've been married 47 and a half years and I'm still learning. And Ned Bunny been married 147 years. <laughs> I guarantee you, how long you guys been married? 
51. He answered before you. Good job. You know how he learned to do that? He's been married 51 years. <laughs> it's only a young couple that the guy says, how long have we been married? And then a little bit later when he can open his eye. Uh, <clears throat> but no, you know, in a relationship, guys, I don't know about, I mean, Ed's probably done it perfect all the time, but boy, I've made so many mistakes in, in being too busy, not listening, not understanding signals. You know, like you go down and there's road signs. They don't always have flashing lights and a band playing and fireworks around the road sign. You know what I'm saying? There'll just be a sign there and you got to watch that sign. Well, that's kind of like marriage. Denise will put a road sign up, but give me a signal, a sign. And I just didn't even know it. I'm just going on by it. But guess what? The bridge is out up ahead. And all of a sudden I say, what's the deal here? She said, you didn't see all the signs? What signs? And she said, I've been trying to tell you. She said, you men are so hard-headed. You're so clueless. And all the men said, Amen. That's right. Well, we have to learn, don't we? You make a wrong decision in a relationship, learn from it. Listen, own it. Be willing to go and say, baby, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Okay, I didn't, I didn't recognize that sign you were giving me. I didn't pick up on it. And I don't know how. See, us men, our sensors are not real good. Our, really, we don't have good sensors. They're, the battery's broken. Them are, they're not wired right or something. I don't know. The connection isn't made because... We're able to, you know, we're thinking things through analytically, which can be a problem because we can overthink or we can get our minds filled with all kinds of stuff and stress and everything. But we need you to help us to recognize and sense what's really going on in the marriage or what's going on in the relationship. But we need to own it. We need to learn from it. Sometimes our storms come because of decisions others have made. I mean, you know, you... Uh, you have a job, and then all of a sudden, your boss uh, decides to make, or your, the employer decides to make cutbacks. And uh, suddenly, you come in the office on Monday morning, and there's a pink slip. And you've worked maybe harder than people around you. You've done everything. You've been a good employee. But someone else made a choice that brings a storm to your life. You have a mate your husband, your wife, chooses to have an affair. Did you choose that? Did you say, I want you to go have an affair on me? No. They made a choice, but you've got to deal with the stuff. You know, in life, a lot of the stuff we deal with is, we made that. We did the decision. We made the decision. We made the choice. And we need to own that. We need to own it. Don't deny it. Don't act like, ah, oh, it wasn't my fault. It's those stupid people out there. It's this, it's that. No, if you'd made the wrong decision, own it. Because you'll never learn from it, and you'll always be repeating it if you don't learn it. But sometimes other people make the choice, make the decision, and it causes a storm in our life. So what do we do? Well, we can get bitter at them. We can get mad. And we can curse them. And we can get so angry and let anger and bitterness overrun our life. And guess what? What happens to us is worse. What happens on the inside of us is worse than what happens to us. Because 
not just that you're going through something. See, the worst thing is not that you're going through a storm, but the worst thing is that you're becoming a different person, a worse person, because of what you've allowed to take root inside you. The Bible says, you know, if we have anger and we don't deal with it, it'll become a root of bitterness. And the Bible says that bitterness deceives us. It has the power to get us into deception where you can't understand or under, recognize the truth. So when someone does something against us, we've got to be willing to say, okay, they made that choice. I don't like it. And sometimes we need to tell them, listen, what you did, especially like in a marriage relationship, you need to be able to communicate honestly with each other without being angry and a bunch of fiery emotion because that doesn't solve anything. But to be able to sit down and say, what you did... This is what it's done to me. And if the person is repentant and everything and willing to work with you, you can work through it. Uh, suppose a friend violates a confidence you have. You share with a friend uh, something confidential and private. And then before you know it, everybody knows about it. Boy, that hurts, doesn't it? Man, someone just caused a storm in your life and you think, well, I'll never talk to anybody. I'll never have another friend. That's the wrong thing. You've allowed that storm to create, make you worse. But if you're, here's what you do. You go to that friend and you say, listen, you know what? I shared with you in confidence because I trusted you. I thought we were friends. And that a friend is a safe harbor where I can say, open my heart, share my life, and I get feedback that, from someone that loves me and cares about me. Not someone's going to run and tell everybody. Why did you do that? You know, you communicate, you work through it, and you become better. Sometimes storms come because of decisions other people have made. Your employer makes cutbacks, whatever it may be. But now here's another thing we need to understand about storms. And this one's a hard one for a lot of people. Especially I've found Christians. A lot of Christians have trouble with this one. Some storms are the natural order of things. Do you hear what I just said? Some storms are the natural order of things. Can I give you one that's a heavy one? Death. Death is in the natural order of life. Death. We don't like that. We hate it. We get angry. Go through all that. Well... Your emotions may run from here, there, to yon and go all over the universe when you face death. But you have to recognize death is a part of the natural order of life. And you say, yeah, but they're way too young. Okay, that's from our perspective. It is. Because there's a scripture in the Bible that says no one is promised tomorrow. No one. I know on this side we say it's not right that a young person should die. And I hate it. We don't want it. But it is the natural order. And sometimes there's a flaw. Sometimes there's a wrong decision. A kid that gets in a car and starts driving foolishly and acting crazy. And, and they're talking to their friends and, and texting and doing all of that. And they have an accident and get killed. Why did that happen? Because in this life, when flesh hits metal and rock and all of that, flesh is going to suffer. 
the natural order of things. If we don't do things within the natural order, then some things can happen. But also there's a natural order that's going to take place. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Death is going to come to us all. It's already touched many of you. A loss of a parent, a loss of a maid, a loss of a loved one, your own loss of your life. Death, loss. Loss is a part of life. We win and we lose. We gain and it's, we have loss. That is a part of life. There is positive and there's negative. There's things that are good and there's things that are not good. That is life. That is life. There is loss. There is disappointment. Everyone suffers disappointment. Everyone suffers that. Failure. Failure. Failure is a natural part of life. Years ago, I remember when um, I had, was just starting out in ministry and um, I was, you know, bold and full of vinegar and Man, I, it didn't matter, you know. I'd storm hell uh, with a thimble full of water. I wouldn't even carry the thimble. I'd just go storm hell. You know, I mean, I was going to do anything, everything. Well, God spoke to me, and God asked me a question. He said, are you willing to fail? And I said, absolutely not. Failure is not an option. I'll never forget what God said. He said, then I can't use you. Because he said, son, you're going to fail. You're going to fail because you're not me. You're not perfect. You will fail. And if failure is not an option, then failure will destroy you. If you don't understand that you will fail, when you do, it will destroy you. How many of you have ever failed as a Christian in your attitude and things you've done, things you've said? You have. We do. But it doesn't destroy us and it doesn't define us. So those things are a part of life. Listen to the words of Jesus. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. All right, let's look at the one key we're going to talk about today. The one key to surviving the storm that we're talking, focusing on today. And that is this. Don't panic. Don't panic. I remember uh, in pilot training, um, they kept putting me in situations that would be very unusual. They would put me in an unusual attitude, which is uh, an attitude of the, uh, the attitude of the plane that it cannot recover, or that if it keeps on, it will cause the plane to crash and uh, you'll suffer. Uh, they put you in situations where all of a sudden they'd uh, turn you know, one of the engines off when I was taking, uh, getting my uh, multi-engine thing. They turned one of the engines off, you know, and, and I had to know what to do. They train you in this, and the main thing they tell you is this. There is a little saying they have for pil that pilots have, and that's aviate, navigate, communicate. It's kind of a little thing there. A lot of that you do in pilots, as, you, uh, as a pilot, you do in little things that are easy to remember, little acrostics or uh, in three, three or four little words that help you to keep yourself 
on target, and it's aviate, navigate, communicate. And the thing there, the first thing, aviate means fly the stupid plane. Keep flying the plane. When you face a storm, don't panic. Keep living. Don't let the storm stop your life. Don't let it tear up your life. It's tearing up the moment, but you keep moving forward. You keep your head about you, keep your emotions under control, and stay in charge of your life. When we face a storm, we must take control of our thoughts and our feelings. Now listen, our feelings are like spoiled children. They only want what they want. If we live by our feelings, we are always going to be defeated. We're always going to be unhappy. When we give in to our feelings, we cause ourselves and those around us to suffer. So you've you got to control your feelings. Take control of your feelings. You remember David said, So, why are you cast down? Why are you so depressed? Why are you so down. Hope in God. David was speaking to his feelings. His feelings wanted to give up. His feelings wanted to think, God's deserted me. God doesn't care. But David said to his soul, to his feelings, we're not giving up. The other thing is, we've got to take control of our feelings, and we've got to control and direct our thoughts. If you're going to survive a storm, your thoughts have got to get in line. Why? Because your thoughts are the birthing chamber of your actions. Hear me. Your thoughts are your birthing chamber of your actions. And action is what's going to get you to the other side of the storm and on into your future. Your action. What you do. If you do, if you act upon your feelings... If you act upon them, you're going to go the wrong direction and you're going to set a course that your ship is going to be even worse off because of the storm. A thought not acted on dies alone. I can have all kinds of thoughts, but if I don't act on it, it's dead. I, I remember when I was a young Christian Somebody come up and say, well, if you, if you had the thought, you might as well have done it. You're still, it's still sin. And I thought, boy, that's bad. Because I'm in trouble then. Because I have a lot of thoughts. I was still a brand new Christian. And I mean, I, had all, I still was having all those old thoughts. I wasn't having beautiful, clean, nice thoughts. My thoughts were the old thoughts. I saw a woman or girl. I thought what I thought before. Uh, I, everything was by the old thoughts. Somebody did me wrong. I had those thoughts. If I, hit, I was in construction, if I hit my thumb, I had those thoughts. <laughs> Beautiful things didn't come into my head. But what did I have to do? When that guy told me, he said, well, if you've thought it, you might as well do it. Because I was sharing, and I said, man, I, you know, I have these thoughts. And he said, well, if you thought it, you've sinned. You might as well do it. And I thought, dear Lord, I know that can't be true. Well, even in the world, you know it's not true. You're on a job, and your boss says something to it. And your thought is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit him in the nose. 
but you're, don't gonna, you're not going to do that. You know not to do it. Well, when that guy told me that, I thought, that's not true. A thought not acted on dies alone, but a thought, now listen to this, a thought acted on sets the course of our life. And when you are facing a storm, when you're going through a storm, the course you take is so much more important than when everything is nice and good. Whenever, when the sea is calm, you know, you can sail around different things and it's okay. But when a storm is raging, you've got to be diligent in the course you set. When a storm hits us, our thoughts tend towards the worst and fear begins trying to take over our mind and our feelings. Fear begins to make threats. It threatens this. This is about to happen. This is about to happen. Oh, I can tell you now, this is going to happen from this. You know, uh, you, you lose your job. Or something happens, you know, you, you, you're, you're living right on the edge anyway, and suddenly they come and uh, um, uh, something happens, and you have, you know, they say, uh, we got to tell you that you've got to pay this for we, missed, we did your taxes wrong. And you're thinking, What? What? And you call up the IRS and say, listen, I, I can't pay this right now. They said, that's fine. It'll be 26% interest and, 30, and about 30% penalties. You say, well, in a year, I'll owe several times what I owe right now. They said, that's right. So if you want to just wait, you can. Well, no, I don't want to wait. I'm having a hard time paying it. And so, you know, what are you going to do? What do you want to do? Well, all of a sudden, fear takes over and says, man, oh, man. And the devil says, or fear comes in and says, you're going to wind up in prison. That's not the prison ministry, you, 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 you know, the church was talking about. Uh, you know, you're going to lose your house. You're going to lose everything, all of this. And fear wants to take over. And if you start acting out of that, you're going to make a wrong choice. But you've got to back up, control your feelings, and get some right thoughts in your head. Because your thoughts are going to get the, they're the birthing chamber of your action. And if you go this way, you're going to set the course. If you go that way, you're going to set the course. And you need to think, okay, what do I do in this moment? What do I do? And so you make choices. You control your thoughts and make your choices according to right thinking. The wrong thoughts will produce the wrong action, which will lead to worse problems. So how do I get my thoughts right? By replacing your thoughts with those of God. Listen to this. God says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper 
everywhere I send it. So we want to put God's thoughts to replace our thoughts so we'll make the right decision and go the right direction. God put His thoughts in the Bible, in the Word of God, for us. They're there. A lot of us think of the Bible as just a bunch of commands. No, there are commands in there, but every command is a promise. See, they're there to help us. They are, if you will, the words in the Bible. Listen, the Bible is a survival guide for life. That's what it is. You could change the name instead of Bible. You could say, Life Survival Guide. It's a life survival guide. When you're facing a storm, instead of worrying and fretting, take your Bible and see what God says. You think, well, where do I look in the book? Well, honestly, you can look just about anywhere. Just about anywhere. Because there are over 3,500, 3,000 500, over 3,500 promises in the Bible. There's not a thing you'll face. There's not a thing you'll feel. There's not a, a wrong thought you'll have. There's not something you're going through that God doesn't have an answer for it. Everything you face, God has an answer in the Bible. It's there, waiting for you. The Bible says... That God sent His Word to deliver us. What does that mean? To get us through the storm to the other side. So that we can march on in victory. When you face a storm, don't panic. Don't give place to fear and worry. Look to God's promises and replace your thoughts with God's thoughts. Get your Bible. You can read in the book of Psalms. You can read in the book of Proverbs. You can read in the New Testament. You can read just about anywhere. And you'll read there and you're going to find, I guarantee you, you will find something that will give you the answer you're looking for. That if you'll apply it in your life, you will survive and you will thrive. Listen to this. God says this. I will come... And do for you all the good things I have promised. I want to read that again. I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. How simple this is. When facing the complexities of life, when facing the overwhelming issues of life, when facing the threatening storms of life, I have a survival guide in the Bible. If I will take that Bible up, it doesn't matter if you've never read it or you've read it all your life. You may think, I know everything in it, or you may think, I don't even know where to start. It doesn't matter. Both of us come to the same place, back to the Bible. Open that Bible up and just simply say, God, I need an answer. Help me. I'm facing something. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to win in this. I don't know what I'm going to do. 
Show me what to do. Pick your Bible up and open it and begin to look. And I promise you, something right there will jump out at you. And you'll realize, that's my answer. And then you do what it says and what we just read God said. And when you do, I will come and I will do exactly what I promised you. And I will show you that my plans for you are for good to give you a future, a future, the other side of the storm, and to hope a better life than even you had now. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com.